If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 168 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks as always. I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on January 8th for the first episode of 2023. Whew, that is right. It is 2023. I am 26 years old. Holy crap! Exactly. Thank you, Frank Barone. Right on cue. Wow. We are in 2023, aren't we, guys? Wow. Another year has gone by, and another year is upon us of Yankees talk, coverage, the whole deal. My God. It has been weeks since we have spoken. Weeks. I think it was, what, December 18th was the last episode, I think, episode 167. If I'm not mistaken, I'm sitting over here almost losing count. That's how long it's been. I usually do the two weeks in a row off for New Year's and Christmas, usually. And then also, obviously, this past Tuesday, the third, was my birthday as well, hence me now being 26. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Last month on my parents' health insurance, woo! (laughs) Yeah, so a lot has happened the last couple of weeks, guys. A lot has happened, both in my life and for the Yankees as well. Mostly minor things like people being bought in on minor league deals. You know, players not really worth going that much into. Just, I guess, what some would consider to be Cashman dumpster diving moves, <laughs> if you had to put some terminology on it, I guess. A um, couple of front office hirings that we'll talk about and. A couple of other big things happening around Major League Baseball as well that could potentially affect the Yankees going forward, which we always address. And of course, there is the big thing that happened just a couple of days after I did the last episode in the Yankee community involving captainship. We'll definitely get to that as well, but so much has gone on, guys. First off, Christmas came and went. A couple of days after Christmas, I tested positive for COVID. (laughs) Second time I got it after I got it last year. I had it last December as well. A lot of you may remember that. I actually did an episode of Yapping Yankees when I had it. And that was actually the day where later that night, I had a fever that jumped to 103. Fun times. It didn't really do much to me last year, though. The worst thing that it did to me last year was it took away my census for four months, which was the worst nightmare I ever could have envisioned for myself. It became a reality for months, and it was hell on earth. Imagine being an Italian like myself, not having any taste or smell for almost a half a year. Pretty freaking bad. So, that happened. and uh, But it really wasn't anything bad at all last year. And it wasn't anything bad this time around either. It was just on Tuesday night, which I believe was the 27th, yeah. So a couple of days after Christmas, it kind of hit me like a train just for a couple of hours. My temperature went really high. On my way back from the bathroom, I almost freaking passed out because I couldn't stand up for much longer than a minute. So 
it was a little bad for a couple hours there, but then the next day it, it left me as quickly as it came in. Really weird. The next day I felt eons better already. Really odd. It was kind of like that when I had the flu 10 years ago, which I got to tell you, the flu, in my opinion, I know everybody has a different experience with COVID. I know that. Um, both of the experiences weren't bad for me at all. So I personally think that the flu, which I had almost 10 years ago and made me feel like I was on my deathbed, I would say personally for me, the flu is 10 times worse. Uh, in my experiences with my body, COVID to me has appeared to be like a flu wannabe as far as my experience with it. I'm not judging your experience. Calm down. But for me, that's just the way it's been. So I got it, got over it. Now I'm pretty much fully better except for having like a minor cough that just showed up out of nowhere a couple of days ago, even though I'm testing negative and I have been testing negative for some time now. Um, and I've been feeling better for some time now. So got COVID, got over it. And by the time New Year's Eve came around, I was already mostly better, obviously, a few days after the first day my symptoms appeared on that Tuesday. And then, you know, it was the first before I knew it, New Year 2023. And a couple of days later is my birthday. Had a couple of friends over that night with my girlfriend and obviously my immediate family and then had more friends over just last night on the 7th to celebrate on the weekend when people are more available and then just earlier today I had my dad take me to a very nice lunch at one of the best Italian restaurants in New York over in the Bronx on Arthur Avenue called Dominic's for those of you who live in New York you may or may not have been there before great restaurant 10 out of 10 recommend some of the best restaurant food I've ever had um so just went there earlier today, and here I am tonight recording the first Yapping Yankees episode of 2023. We are back, baby. So that was fun. So it's been an eventful last two weeks, as you can hear. Now, it really is incredible. I can't believe it's 2023. I really can. I don't want to sound so cliche and be like, oh, time is flying, but it really does, man. How the hell am I 26? I don't know. I don't know, I must tell you. But, when I was gone, as I said, not too much happened in Yankee Land. Not too much. The biggest thing, of course, I guess I'm going to lead off with it because it is the biggest thing. Even though it wasn't really the first thing that happened as far as Yankee things throughout the last two weeks or so. Or three weeks, I guess. Because the last episode was on the 18th. But, let's start off with the first biggest thing. Let's, let's jump right back into it. We've established this 2023. I've caught you up on what's happened with me in my life personally. Let's get into some Yankee talk, which after all, it is what you're here for, isn't it? So let's get right into it. The first thing, we're going to start off with a big round of applause. I'll just come out and say it because it's nothing we haven't known for the better part of two to three weeks now. Aaron Judge has been named the captain. There you go. There's the, the applause that is well-deserved. Honestly, yes, we saw it coming. I know. We all saw it coming. He was going to be the captain. And after the big contract was signed, I even said it on this show. Everybody and their mother said it on social media or to their family members if they were talking about it in person. Everybody said it. Is the next step going to be him being named the captain? And next thing you know, on the 21st, he was named the captain. They announced that they were going to have a press conference about a day or two prior and again, it was just a couple of days after the last time we spoke, so it was a while ago now already. This is nothing that anybody doesn't already know. And that morning, it was the Aaron Judge press conference, the one we all expected following him signing his big contract, and then they just decided to drop on everybody as partially expected right in the middle of the press conference that he was also being named 
the Yankees' 16th captain. And it was a weird thing for me to watch at first, I gotta say, because as somebody who, you know, spent a great deal of his life watching most of the career of not only his favorite Yankee or baseball player ever, but just sports athlete slash icon slash role model period in Derek Jeter play being the 15th Yankees captain, it just felt surreal to me that we officially have another Yankees captain. Even though it was something that I very much anticipated along with everybody else, it was still like a surreal experience for me. Like, wow, there's another Yankees captain now. Aaron Judge is the Yankee captain. There's a successor to Derek Jeter. It was it just hit me like really hard when it first happened. When the announcement was given and he was up there talking and it just hit me like, wow, another Yankee captain. And there were other Yankee captains there. Jeter himself was there, sitting at the table a couple of seats down from Judge. Willie Randolph was there. Yankee captains of the past in attendance, which made it even more epic. And it was kind of a hint as to what was going on, too. But it was just a great day. Beyond deserved, of course. And a lot of other people, of course, you know, you expect it from people who have nothing else better to do or say. Coming out right away and saying, oh, shouldn't he win a World Series first? He stinks in the playoffs, so does he really deserve the captainship? <laughs> yeah, I know. So, listen, as if it's totally on him and he himself can carry a team to the World Series, as if he doesn't need the rest of the team around him to be efficient as well and the front office to do the best they can and not incorrectly allocate money like they have, which bites them in the ass inevitably in the future, and they don't have the proper talent necessary around Aaron Judge to help him complete the task of winning a title. Because listen, like I said, Aaron Judge is a phenomenal talent. He has what it takes to lead the Yankees to a championship, but no one person can do that for any single baseball team. It's just not possible. Is Aaron Judge expected to do the heavy weightlifting towards it? and be the leader in that, especially as the Yankee captain now? Absolutely. But can he do it alone? The answer is no. Just like anybody else single-handedly could not do it alone. That's up to the Yankees to give him the talent necessary around him to achieve said championship that everybody is so intent on just putting all on him. And I get it, because that's... The easiest thing for people to say, oh, it should be him. You know, he hasn't won a title. He hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. So I eagerly await the day that they win a title, not just to win a title, but to shut those morons up. Because should he lead the way? Again, like I said, do the heavy weightlifting? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody's arguing that. But people are acting like he needs to do it all alone. And sorry, that's just not possible. Your, your expectations are not realistic. I'll be the first one to tell you. So, in every way, Aaron Judge deserves to be the captain. And if you don't think he does, you'd simply need a reality check. Derek Jeter even said it best himself. When they asked him, does he deserve to be the captain? Do you see him becoming the captain a while back? And what did he say? He said, well, that question's not really for me. The ones you should really be talking about are the people within the Yankee organization, his teammates. And what do his teammates always say? They basically always say, like, he's the guy. They do whatever he does. They follow by his example. So what does that tell you? He's already the leader in that clubhouse. He might as well already be the captain. The Yankees clearly took that into consideration. And here he is 
with the title that he has deserved for so long now, the Yankee captain. It's as simple as that. It's not up to you whether he deserves to be the captain or not. It's how much he's done for this team. It's how much of an influence he has over everybody, not only just in the Yankee clubhouse, to be honest, but throughout the entire Yankee organization. You even see it on Aaron Boone's face and everybody around just beaming whenever Aaron judges around. He leads by example. He wants to win. He may not have achieved that World Series yet, and trust me, it gets to him. You can see it written all over his face every time they've come up short. And he may not have done much to contribute to things this past postseason. Trust me, it's weighing on him. He wants to win. But it's written all over his face whenever they come up short. The guy wants to win. And he's just like Jeter in that sense, which only makes it even more appropriate as to why he was named the captain. And it was even said in reports that when coming back, you know, he was talking to Hal and all of them saying, you know, we got to do what's necessary here. We got to bring in more guys, make this team better, give us an even better chance to win. And that does have to happen. And he does have to sort of help and lead the way with that because that's his role as the captain now. Now that it is his official title there, now it's got to, he's just got to continue to do what he's doing, honestly. And to add on to that, when they go into the playoffs in the future, he's got to, he does have to step it up in the playoffs. I am objective. I am fair. And I will say that despite my love for Aaron Judge, he's, uh, he's got to step it up in the playoffs in the future. And maybe they'll have that much a better of a chance of winning at that point in time. But another criticism, of course, that I heard about him, and this is inevitable at this point from people who just, I guess, who just choose not to pay attention anymore. Um, they choose to go with the narrative of the past. You know, what about his health? He can't stay healthy. Well, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know what's going to happen in the future and guarantee he's never going to get hurt again. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I'm not going to guarantee that he won't ever get hurt. But, I mean, the last couple of years have been reason to be optimistic. The guy has not been hurt since the earlier to midway part of the shortened 2020 season, which is now going on three years ago. So I think we could start to put that he's always hurt narrative in the past a little bit, where it belongs because it is in the past, and try to focus on what's happened in the last multiple seasons, where he has not gotten hurt, not missed much of any time at all. I know he missed about a week or so due to COVID back in 2021, but he wasn't hurt. Still played the vast majority of the season. I believe it was over 150 games, if I'm not mistaken. I'll look that up real quick just so that I don't get my... Facts wrong here. Go to baseball reference. 2021, 148 games. And this past season in 2022, 157 games. There's five less of every single game. So I think we ought to give that narrative a break for a while. Until there is legitimate reason for it to return. Which, of course, I hope it doesn't. But I'm just tired of... I'm tired of listening to that because the last couple of years have, have suggested otherwise. In 2018, yeah, he played 112. That seemed to be a season where he was really on the path to play the entire thing again until he had an injury that was out of his control because Jacob Junis threw a pitch and hit him in the wrist and made him miss a significant amount of time. The only couple of seasons where it was really just within his body that he was having trouble was in 2019, only played 102 games. That injury was on him. And in 2020, played 28 out of the 60 games. Got hurt that year as well. 
So in 2019 and 2020, it was really the only years where his body himself was giving him trouble and had injuries that were his body's responsibility. 2018, got hit in the wrist. Can't help that. Freakish things like that happen. Hit by pitches happen. Hits you in a bad spot. Really hurts a player. What are you going to do? 2021, 2022, phenomenal. Obviously, 2022, first and foremost. The guy bet on himself. I don't know how many times I have to say it. He successfully won said bet, and then some, breaking the single-season American League home run record. Gets paid. He is definitely spending the rest of his career with the Yankees. He's retiring a Yankee. And with everything that he's accomplished, short of a championship, because the Yankees have failed to put the proper team around him, you're going to say that he doesn't deserve the captainship, and you're going to bring up back that old narrative, he's always hurt, he's always hurt, even though he hasn't had a single injury in multiple seasons now? So let's embrace Judge and stop trying to find reasons that he doesn't deserve the captainship, because I got news for you, he does, no matter what you say. I'm sorry to break it to you, or if that's too hard for you to accept. But it's not even really up to you. And yeah, I do think that it would vastly help his resume and his career, and definitely himself since he wants to win so bad. I think it would very much help if he were to win a championship. Yeah. Especially if he does a lot of the heavy weightlifting on the way there and is a big-time leader throughout. Like he's supposed to be, and has been. But it's not all up to him. The Yankees have to do the work around him too. And we've spoken about this forever. For months now, even well before the offseason, we have spoken about all the improvements the Yankees can and should make in order to ensure the best chance possible at making 2023 the year that they finally win again. And even a couple of weeks after the last time we spoke, even after all the joy about Aaron Judge being named the captain, even after the signing of Rodon, which we went over in the last episode, and we even got the official presser with him not long after Judge's press conference, so all the joy of that taking all that in, we even spoke about the last time we spoke that there is still more to address, because there is. Now, you look at all the boxes that needed to be checked at the beginning, and some have been checked. Bringing Rizzo back, bringing Judge back, signing a starting pitcher. So those three boxes, the main three boxes, have been checked. Those are really solid right there. But at the end of the day, the critique that we mentioned a lot of people were making in the last episode still exists. How is this team better than the one that just got humiliated yet again in even worse fashion than the prior two times against the Astros. How is this team any better than the 2022 Yankees? And other than the addition of Rodon, this team is not any different. There are still other things that need to happen. You need to offload dead weight as much as possible, if not all of it. Like Donaldson, Hicks, some would even say IKF, even though IKF has already been signed back on a one-year, $6 million deal, even though we don't know how he'll truly be used yet, whether it be as part of a trade package that is yet to happen, or as a utility guy, or maybe even to the worst of our nightmares as the starting shortstop yet again, which I doubt, but wouldn't fully put past the Yankees. But people like that, addressing 
at that same breath, especially where Donaldson is concerned, addressing third base. Because other than his glove, which so many people are quick to mention, the guy is an unmitigated disaster. So, address third base. How about left field? Yankees still don't have a left fielder right now. They still don't. No left field sort of an option out there, other than still looking within and maybe giving someone within the organization a shot. Maybe Oswaldo Cabrera, again, I've already given my thoughts on that. Maybe, you know, you're giving him a shot at center field so many times. Estevan Florial, you want to try him in left maybe? Who the hell knows? Or, the worst option possible, uh, having Hicks out there. That's obviously the worst option of any of those things. The absolute worst, and it's not even up for discussion. So, what's the deal with left field? Can you get someone from the outside? The main man we've all been mentioning forever now has been Brian Reynolds. There have been other options that we have mentioned. Basically, all of them have come off the board. And the last other one, really, that we were speaking about for a while, that everybody was talking about, did come off the board in the last two and a half to three weeks that we have spoken. And that man is none other than Michael Conforto. We were talking about how interesting he would be, even though there is risk there, because he's gone a while without playing. Who knows what his hitting would be like? Who even knows what his fielding would be like? Obviously, being a left-handed hitter who has power to right field, Yankee Stadium is friendly for him, but there would be risk there. But even he came off the board. On Friday, December 23rd, it was announced he signed with San Francisco. At least the Giants, we know they can close out some sort of a deal. Two years, $36 million there. So even Conforto flew off the board, and basically all eyes zoomed into Brian Reynolds at that point, despite the apparent ridiculous demands that the Pirates have made, despite Brian Reynolds requesting a trade some time ago now from there. So obviously nothing has moved there yet. There are some people who still believe that the Yankees might somehow end up with him and might end up giving up at least one of the three big names in Volpe, Dominguez, Peraza. I think Dominguez and Peraza can, and depending on the rest of the deal, should be sacrificed for that because the chances of all three of them turning out to be superstars is just pretty damn slim considering most of the time not even one prospect top prospect in most organizations even pan out it doesn't happen a lot of the time so when you think about it like that the one that I'd rather least trade away is probably Volpe but I mean I could end up being wrong about that down the road who knows because who knows how these kids will turn out the only one that's even had a little bit of major league experience to begin with is Oswald Peraza and we barely got to see him because the Yankees refused to play him very often during the season and he did get some playing time in the playoffs as well when the Yankees finally faced the truth that they could no longer force IKF out there at shortstop much longer, especially on such a big stage in the postseason. And in the time that he did have, he ended up hitting quite a bit when he got more plate appearances, did Peraza, and he showed off a pretty damn good glove. Which is why I would not be opposed to him getting a permanent look at shortstop in 2023, at least until Volpe is ready to go. And they can shift around the infield however they'd like based on what the roster's looking like. And when Volpe comes up, what are they going to do about Glaber for sure? How's DJ's health going to shake up to be? There are a lot of factors here that we've spoken about for months when it comes to the infield. There are many factors here. What ends up being with Josh Donaldson? Is it actually going to end up being like Cashman has preached it does? Or is it just 
lies so he doesn't show his true intentions and show his hand to other organizations. Who knows what the deal with Josh Donaldson is going to be for real at third base? Who knows what the deal is going to be with IKF? How's DJ's health going to be? What's going to happen with Glaber? Basically, the only infield position, like I've said, that is not up for at least even a little bit of question is first base. (laughs) That's really it. Second base, even though it's probably the next least position up for question, for lack of a better term, is still even surrounded by some questions with DJ's health, and are they actually willing to part ways with Labor Torres, whether or not you agree with that. The most questioned positions in the infield is obviously the entire left side, shortstop and third base. But really the only guarantee of what we will see in 2023 in the infield is Rizzo at first. That's really it. When you really think about it, the only position that has no questioning with it, like Rizzo's the first baseman, that's how it's going to be. So, there are other things that need to be addressed. They did address some things, like I said, Rizzo, Judge, bringing Rodon, huge. And I will say, actually, right now, based on this press conference, a lot of people were talking about it, I actually did not think that Rodon looked nearly as bad as I thought he would, clean-shaven. I actually thought he looked pretty good. It's a little little opinion dug in right there. But um, they Listen, there's still other work to do. And some minor things happened while Yapping Yankees was on its little hiatus for Christmas and New Year's, like I said. Also on Friday the 23rd, same day that Conforto signed over with the Giants, the Yankees signed free agent infielder Wilmer Defoe. And they agreed to a contract with him at the age of 30. It's on a split deal that'll pay him $1.2 million if he's in the majors. So it's starting out as minor leagues. It's pretty obvious that this is just for depth, I would say. I mean, and I do hope that that is the extent of it. Of course, otherwise, in the event that he actually ends up proving himself and being a viable option, but there is no reason to suggest that he will do such a thing given the fact that his career up to this point suggests that the guy cannot hit for his life. So this is obviously not a viable potential infield option, if you ask me. A good name to have in the system, I guess, just in case. A good depth piece, but that's really all I took from this. And that's the contract details, really. He'll make 1.2 if he makes it to the majors, a split deal, per se. And on Wednesday the 28th, something else that happened. We did talk about Lucas Litke being DFA'd. And of course, after DFA, I know how that works. That means he could end up back in the Yankees' system. But it's a good thing that I did end up doing sort of a wrap-up and a goodbye for Litke because after the DFA, he ended up being traded. So the Braves picked him up for infielder Caleb Durbin and right-handed pitcher Indigo Diaz. So Yankees made a trade with Atlanta, small-time trade. But uh, listen, I'll say the same thing about Litke that I said before. I think especially for someone who didn't pitch for multiple years in the major leagues and the Yankees decided to take a chance on him, He did himself a damn fine job, low ERA. I know a lot of people will be quick to mention that in a lot of high-leverage situations, he didn't really come through all that much. But otherwise, he didn't do a bad job out of that bullpen, guys. He really didn't in the grand scheme of things, especially given the huge chance the Yankees took on him. I'll remember Litke as a pretty decent pitcher out of the bullpen. Pretty decent. Nothing crazy. He wasn't fantastic, and he wasn't bad either. He was pretty solid. 
So I appreciate him for the time he had here. I think it was especially impressive given how many years went by without him pitching in the majors at all before the Yankees decided to take a chance on him. But now he'll get even more chances in Atlanta, and we'll see whatever is made of Caleb Durbin or and or Indigo Diaz ever. So, And also, the Yankees ended up signing couple other guys to minor league deals, pitcher Tyler Danish and outfielder Willie Calhoun. So we'll see if either of them end up making an impact going forward. I would say there Willie Calhoun probably has a better chance, even though it probably won't happen, but that's definitely not your full-time outfield solution. I'd be shocked if it is. I mean, who knows? Maybe in the most unlikely of scenarios, maybe he would be, but I doubt it. I'd rather a proven talent out there, as we know. But, of course, it is also just a minor league deal, so it may not even come to the majors in the first place. So, like I said, smaller things in the last couple of weeks, except for the couple of big things like Aaron Judge being named captain and Rodon's press conference and whatnot, things like that. But those are really the minor moves that they made. Also, just another thing in Yankees news, Matt Carpenter, this just happened a couple of days also after the last time we spoke, Matt Carpenter signed a one-year deal with the Padres with an option for a second year. So I was a little sad to hear that. I know a lot of people were saying that they were letting their emotions get to them by having too hard of a time saying goodbye to Matt Carpenter because of how little time he spent here then ended up spending a chunk of time hurt anyway. And, And I get people saying that too. But also, let's also not forget what Matt Carpenter did here in the short time that he did have here when he was playing before his injury. His stint was remarkable, people. His home run pace in the short time that he hit all of them, and just his overall production, doing whatever the Yankees asked him to do. From day one that he got here, he said he would carry the bags in if if they asked him to. He would do whatever they wanted him to do. He did just that right up until he got hurt. And he gave unbelievable offensive performances. Until, of course, he came back for the playoffs, and then obviously he just didn't look like himself. And that kind of put a damper on things. But obviously, without any debate whatsoever, everything prior to his injury was nothing short of a career comeback for the ages, it was looking like. And was a lot of fun. And for that, I will always remember Matt Carpenter for that. His brief stint with the Yankees was an awesome one, if you ask me. I very much enjoyed him coming here. And I wish him best of luck with the Padres. I mean, I'm not utterly destroyed that he's gone, but I I am sad. Because he did a lot of awesome things here. And pretending like he did anything less than that is just, you know, you're being a Debbie Downer. Matt Carpenter was awesome here. Obviously, at the end, he got hurt, and he was away for too long. Maybe he even wasn't 100% healthy yet, whatever the deal was. When he got back from the injury and unfortunately was exposed on the big stage after all that time off, it was tough to watch, and at the end, we were virtually begging the Yankees not to bat him again, but to pretend that what we saw before that injury was any less than legendary. I mean... You're just pretending at that point. You're lying to yourself. It was incredible what we witnessed. And for that, I'll always remember him. So best of luck, Matt Carpenter. Watching you here before your injury was fun as hell, dude. And I'm always going to remember it personally. So that's really it for all the major things. Also elsewhere around Major League Baseball, just wanted to touch on this because, you know, obviously reports going around that multiple teams were talking to him and that now... He's even talking to some other teams after this whole fiasco. I've never seen anything like this. I don't think any of us ever have. 
But the whole Carlos Correa thing, guys. <laughs> My God. We spoke about the last time we had spoken. We spoke about him being signed by the Giants. <laughs> the dig that I took at the Giants before when we were talking about them securing Conforto. And now, not only just because of the judge thing prior, and that wasn't even on them, really. That was because of John Heyman's crappy reporting. But particularly because of this, and of course because of how the situation has developed since, they don't look as crazy anymore because of what's happening right now with it. But that was why before with the Conforto thing, I dug them like, oh, at least we now have uh, confirmation that they can secure a deal. (laughs) But... Uh, after the judge stuff and now this, I imagine Giants fans wanted to do nothing less than just swan dive off of a roof into a pool of needles because <laughs> mere days after we last spoke and we're talking about Correa spending the rest of his life in San Francisco for 13 years, <sighs> it turns out he failed his physical just days after being announced as a giant. And then right after this happened, in the middle of the night, it came out that he was immediately grabbed by Steve Cohen and the Mets. Who, as I said weeks ago in my last episode, if you remember, it seemed like that was the original team that was going to grab him the night that he agreed to his San Francisco deal. It was really playing out like that in the reporting realm that he was going to be a Met. And then he just signed with San Francisco. Now, he failed his physical, and apparently there was just something that the Giants really didn't like. The negotiations with it fell through between Boris and them. Boris, of course, being Correa's agent. And he was just immediately grabbed by the Mets in the middle of the night on a 12-year, $315 million deal. And at that point... Basically, after having judged for about five or ten minutes, thanks to John Heyman, the Giants fans had to endure this too. (laughs) Holy crap. And now, fast forward to today. The Mets have now since had complications with Correa as well because they didn't like what they saw in his medical results as well. What the hell is going on, people? I have never seen anything like this in my entire life. I mean, if you have, then let me know. I just, I have not. This is remarkable. And just a couple of days ago, it was then announced that amidst all of this going on, according to Andy Martino with SNY, the Mets apparently have become increasingly frustrated with this in their renegotiations, so the deal with them could fall through as well if they don't sign him to a modified contract, a different one. A lesser one, obviously, with, with options probably and, and everything. That they're becoming increasingly frustrated. And Correa and his camp could possibly even be talking to other teams now. And of course, that could just be a ploy being put out by Boris to put more pressure on the Mets. Who the hell knows, really? But <laughs> could you imagine... If a third team steps in and signs him to a lesser deal, signs with one, backed out. Signs with two, doesn't work out. Signs with a third. Can you imagine what the hell is going on? 
I've just never seen anything like this. So right now, we're basically just waiting in limbo of this. There are Yankee fans out there who want Correa. I have voiced that I want Correa in the past as well. So I'm not going to disagree with these people, even though I just still don't see it happening. But there are now Yankee fans out there with this rekindled hope that since this has not been worked out between Correa and the Mets yet, that the Yankees could still possibly grab him and that he could maybe be one of the couple of teams that his camp are talking to right now. <sighs> There's a lot going on with this, and it's completely crazy. Absolutely insane. Never seen a situation like this, and who the hell knows when it's going to be wrapped up. Because if he does sign back with the Mets again, there is no doubt in anybody's mind pretty much that it's going to have to be a lesser deal because... Who the hell knows what's coming up in this guy's medicals? I mean, it's been known for years now that the guy's got a bad back. But, I mean, you would think that they're expecting the guy to land in a wheelchair in the next three years. Like, these teams just don't like what they see, apparently. People thought that the Giants were fraudulent and insane. Just a laughing stock. Because they thought that them not liking his physicals was like a cover for them. To have an excuse not to sign a player to a big contract. But then, they started not to look so nuts when the same issues arose with the Mets. So, there's something here. (laughs) I don't know if it's just the back problems or if it's something more than the back that has not been made public yet or might never be made public. Who the hell knows? What's in this guy's physicals? What's going on? I don't know, dude. All I do know is that this is friggin' nuts. So we'll see how the Correa situation goes. It hasn't even been made public. Because who the hell knows if it's even true, if it's not a ploy by Boris and his camp. Who the other teams are that his camp could be talking to if this deal with the Mets falls through now. But the original deal with the Mets is 12 years, 315. And they intended on sliding him over to third base because Lindor's not going to move from shortstop. So who knows if another changed deal gets done between him and the Mets and he could still be a Met or if he's going to wind up at a third team. Who the hell knows what's going to happen. But moral of the story is there is something here about his medicals that just the teams don't like and they don't think it is nearly worth investing in him for that many years and that much money. So we'll see how the hell this turns out, but really interesting situation going on on there with Carlos Correa. The only other Yankee news that really has to be mentioned, and these are probably the bigger things that happened most recently as well, is the Yankees made some front office additions. One of them actually came on my birthday just a few days ago on the 3rd. The first one was that the Yankees hired Brian Sabian as an executive advisor to Brian Cashman. Now, I personally think and everybody else I've spoken to personally thinks also that this is a pretty damn solid hire for the organization. And in case you didn't know, in case you're not privy to Yankee history, in case you don't know too much about the Yankees' past, this is not his first time in the Yankee organization. He's been here before. He was the director of scouting from 1986 to 1990, and he was the vice president of player development and scouting from 1990 to 1992. So, vice president of player development and scouting for a few years, and the director of scouting. In a time period, especially in those early 90s, where, of course, we know where 
where guys in the early 90s who were in the system, what that led to in the mid to late 90s, that dynasty. So, guy's got an eye for talent. He does. And from 96 to 2015, after he left the Yankee organization, he was also the general manager of the San Francisco Giants. And you may know that they happened to win, in case you need a reminder, in 2010, 12, and 14, as you probably well know already. So he's a world champion. He's put together championship teams. He was responsible for Yankee scouting in the early 90s, which we all know how that ended up turning out later. So I'd say in all counts, the guy's been known to put or help put some pretty great teams together, especially in the case of the Giants, as he was the general manager there for three titles when they had that weird habit of winning in the even years back in the early 2010s. (laughs) And the last four years, he's been the executive vice president over there as well. And he's been here before, so bringing him back, the guy's got a good eye for talent, maybe could bring an old-school mentality and help balance things out, maybe work with the analytics department a little bit more and bring an old-school approach and balance things out a little bit because you know me, in case you don't know me, I... I have an eye for both old school and new school mentality. I do believe that analytics and numbers are important. They play a great role in today's game. But I also do believe that that certain things, depending on the situation, scenario, the day, whatever's going on, that you also have to go by instinct, your gut, what you're looking at with your own eyeballs. So I believe in both of those aspects. I think there should be a balance of those things. And... Between how the Yankees have incorrectly used analytics throughout the years, we've spoken about this. I don't think it's so much analytics that's the problem. I think it's the Yankees' incorrect implementation of the analytics. So between that and bringing in someone who's more old school, I do think that that could help balance things out a little bit and maybe bring a different perspective to Brian Cashman as well because I do think the guy needs help in certain areas with how he improperly allocates money at certain times. has been a big problem of his for some years now. We know this. We've tackled this for a long-ass time. So I think this is a great hire for the Yankees, bringing him back. He wanted to be back and change certain things around and help things out as best as he could. Who knows just how much input he'll have or if the input will be implemented at all at the end of the day. In that case, it'll probably do nothing. But hopefully if he does have input, that could help balance things out a little bit and make things better. Then this is a great hire. It really is. From an outside perspective, I got no problem with this. I think it's a great rehire since he's already been here before. He knows how things go, even though things are probably a little bit different here than they were 30 years ago, I have to imagine. But I think it's a pretty solid hire. I'm happy with it. And then three days ago on the 5th, another front office hire was made aware of to the public. The Yankees hired Omar Minaya as an advisor to the Baseball Operations Department. So this is another high-profile sort of move within the front office by the organization next to Sabian, I would say. And he's known to have a bit more of an older-school approach as well. And um, the name may sound familiar to you. Well, that's because he was the general manager of the Mets years ago. So you may remember him as a crosstown rival in the Mets' front office. 
Now he comes over to the Yankees. And really the main thing that Manaya has been praised for in the past, because a lot of people were hard on Manaya back in the day, obviously, when the Mets are going through their tough times, and rightfully so. But there is one thing mainly that Manaya has been praised for greatly in the past. And if he can bring this approach here too as well, then I'm all for it. Because I think the Yankees have had a good eye out for certain players in this arena as well. But Manaya has been said to have a hell of an eye for talent internationally, especially. So, especially when it comes to places like the DR and stuff. And the Yankees have gotten guys like Jason Dominguez and players like this who look fantastic. Maybe have not come up to the majors yet in Dominguez's case, but the Yankees have had sort of an international signing eye. But if Manaya can even add more to that, then that's great because a lot of these international guys, they're great baseball players. So, if Manaya can help out with that and maybe even bring another old-school approach next to Sabian for the front office and help Cashman out even more, then fine. I'm, I'm okay with this hire as well. So, I mean, while I still have my skepticisms about the team, it's hard to complain about having guys like this as advisors to Cashman, especially in the case of Sabian and the front office. For all the guys behind the scenes with their info and their data and their incorrect use of analytics through the years. If their input is effective and actually implemented, taken seriously, then it can't hurt. Yes, the team on the field ultimately still has to perform properly. And unless that happens, no matter what you do in the front office, you're not getting anywhere. No doubt about that. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, yeah, you're still not satisfied. The Yankees still have more to do. But I can't complain about these additions, especially in the case of Sabian. I think he's a fantastic addition. So we'll see what kind of a role they have here and how much of their input is actually potentially implemented here and utilized. We'll see. But those are some front office additions that were made. And other than that, guys, that's really mainly what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Judge being named captain, Rodon having his press conference, a couple of things happening outside of the Yankees, some minor moves by the Yankees, a couple of trades, small-time trades, and a couple of front office additions. So... A lot of things did happen in numbers-wise, but in actuality, nothing that'll, you know, turn the Yankee community upside down, per se, like a Brian Reynolds trade. So, but that's where we're at, guys. And here we are on January 8th of 2023 with about another month, month and a half before pitchers and catchers are to report. So that much more time remaining in the offseason. Sitting back patiently at this point, waiting for any other potential big moves to take place in the couple of areas that I would say the Yankees still need to address, which mainly are third base or just the entire left side of the infield at large and left field. If you could add another reliever, great. That'd be awesome too. Now, I've heard some rumors about the reliever from the White Sox, Garrett Crochet, but there is risk there because... He didn't pitch throughout the entirety of 2022 because he had Tommy John surgery this past year. And he's been out for a while, obviously coming back from Tommy John despite his young age. Because he's only 23 years old, he'll be 24 in June. That's always a big risk. And it's a shame because his arsenal is killer. This is a guy who was throwing over 100 miles an hour. He's a left-handed pitcher, big lefty out of the bullpen throwing over 100 miles per hour out of the bullpen with a devastating breaking ball as well. He's a hell of a talent, but there is risk there. And what would the Yankees be willing to give up if they were to pursue him? 
from the White Sox. So it's complicated, um, and there is definitely risk there. But as far as relievers, I've heard a, a little bit of whispering with that. The one that I really would have liked was a David Robertson reunion, to be honest, regardless of what the chances of that were. He is obviously with the Mets now. But, yeah, depending on how much money a reliever would be signed for or what they would give away in a potential trade, I wouldn't be opposed to adding another reliever, but the top priorities especially that I keep on looking at is offloading dead weight, left side of the infield, mainly third base with Donaldson, and left field. Those are really the big things remaining. And if they stay as they are now, I'm not going to be feeling too great. Because I've expressed that with left field, even though I very much like Oswaldo, and even though the walls started to come down with it a little bit towards the end there, at the end of 2022 and heading into the playoffs, I do think that especially for someone who didn't have much of any outfield experience prior to coming up, I think that he was especially impressive out there. But I am over playing guys out of position. The guy is primarily an infielder. That's where he should remain unless it's an absolute emergency. He should not be an everyday left fielder or everyday outfielder in general. I'm sorry. I want someone who specializes and has their primary position in the outfield playing left field. Is that too much to ask? I guess it is. I don't even have to get into why I don't want Aaron Hicks out there. And uh, as far as Floreal, I mean, listen, the guy's gotten his chances there primarily for center field. Who knows what could happen in left, but <sighs> they need to figure out left field. They need to. And it's starting to look like they're becoming content with just looking within with what they already have. And I'm just, I don't think that's going to work out very well. Obviously, other people bring up, oh, why doesn't Stanton go out there? Listen, I'm not going to be opposed to Stanton going out there. I also happen to think that it helps him out whenever he gets into his offensive slumps, that he has something to take his mind off of. It goes out in left field, maybe makes a nice play, get his mind off of hitting a little bit. I mean, it's been said that that does in fact help him. I mean, it's in the numbers, one. And two, he has said that he likes to play the outfield. But the Yankees are very cautious of it because of his health, of course, which does drive me and certain others insane. He could be a potential option out there. But what does happen in the event that he gets hurt? So I, they need to figure it out. They do. I mean, whether you figure out a way to get Reynolds, I mean, that's obviously what I would love the most. But we'll see. And third base, I mean, I know DJ's health is in question, but I just want, I've said it so many times, I know the money's there, which is the main thing standing between the Yankees and getting rid of him, but I just want less than nothing to do with Josh Donaldson. If Glaber's to stick around, which again, I wouldn't mind if he does, um, I want him staying at second base. I'd like Oswald Peraza to get a shot at short, and... I'd like DJ slash Oswaldo Cabrera to take third base. I would very much like that. And when Volpe comes up, I mean, you're going to have to decide what to do with it there because you still got a big infield logjam. It's still a problem. I just don't want Donaldson being there. I really don't. So these are the last couple of really big things that they have to and should address. And until they do, there's still always going to be some doubt in the back of my mind. So that's just the way it's going to be. But nonetheless, that is all that's really happened the last few weeks, guys, since we last spoke. So what say you? 
that we get into our last segment of the show as per usual, especially because I look at the time and we are already creeping towards an hour in because I just can't shut the hell up. (laughs) So let's get to the social media segment for today. It is another open-ended question for you, and it does have to do with the Yankees' new front office additions, especially because I, I guess that's the main thing for today since we last spoke, and it's the most recent thing. It's the most recent thing. So probably this and Judge being named captain, probably the biggest things. I mean, what am I going to ask you? Are you happy that Judge is the captain? Obviously, it's going to be massive positivity with that. It's nothing that gets your, your brain juices flowing. So I figured we'd chat about the most recent thing in Yankee land being their front office additions with Sabian mainly and Manaya as well. So the question is, have the Yankees' new front office additions helped your confidence much in the team for this coming season? So that's basically everything that I said before is me giving my thoughts. I can't complain about these hires, especially in the case of Brian Sabian. I think it's a great ad, and I think it could really balance out the front office, really help out Cashman if his input is truly utilized I can't really complain about it, but as far as what it means for the team going forward, I mean, listen, the players still have to perform, and Cashman still has to do the right thing. Now, you know that I've spoken about having lost faith in Cashman officially. Um, I think the organization could have really used a change. I mean, who that is, I mean, maybe some names would be thrown out there, we'll talk about it, but I do think that the organization could have very well used a fresh face and a new start in this sense, but obviously we knew even before the new contract came in and we saw him addressing the public as if he was still the Yankees' general manager, even though he wasn't even under contract anymore, that Cashman was still here to stay. That was painfully obvious, and the Yankees made it so. So he's not going anywhere. We have to accept it. And while he is still here, I mean, I guess the least they could do is give him some advisors help him out with some of the stupid decisions that he might be tempted to make. So I'm not going to complain about that. And if they could help out with that, then great, then that helps the team. But the proper team still has to be put out on the field, and the players have to perform up to par and do their jobs. As as, as long as that happens, and their inputs, being Sabian and Manaya are being properly utilized and are actually helping the organization, then obviously it ends up being good hires. Beforehand right now, I can't complain about it. But uh, it doesn't really help much with my confidence in the team as far as this coming season because there's still more work to be done. And if that work isn't addressed, then that doubt of mine is still going to be there. Because... If nothing else is really done, then Rodon is the only addition made with this team in an area that wasn't even their main area of need. Because pitching was not their ultimate downfall, especially when it came to the Astros series. Yeah, it did have a hiccup towards the middle part of the season because the pitching for so long was freaking killer. So it had to be brought back down to earth for a little bit, but then before the season ended, it made a comeback and was solid in the playoffs. The problem ultimately was the offense. And as of right now, there has not been a single improvement made to the offense. Whether it be in the lineup, with hitting, or even on the field, defensively, nothing else has been done. Since that team that we last saw in the last glimmer of being humiliated by Houston. 
And as long as that remains, my confidence is basically going to remain the same as it was before. Does Rodon help things and make me more confident? Sure. But the main area of need, the field and the lineup, the offense, has not been addressed yet, really. Judge and Rizzo are brought back. Yes, massive needs and big pluses. But is it a difference from the team in 2022? It is not. It isn't. It's the same guys that were there. So that's the fact of the matter. And as long as it remains like that, my confidence isn't going to go up much higher. It went up a bit higher with the signing of Rodon, obviously, because he's a good addition. A great addition at that. But still more needs to be done. So the front office moves, while I can't complain about them, and I am for them, especially in the case of Brian Sabian, it doesn't do too much to increase my confidence. Maybe a little, because I do like the possibilities that it could bring to the front office in fresh, new, maybe old-school approaches and maybe help balance things out and give more of a common-sense approach to things and helping Cashman out, advising him more. Then You know, that's nothing to be frowned upon. So we'd be a little bit with confidence, but the on-field issues remain, and that's really end-all, be-all, isn't it? So that's really where I stand. Can't complain, but it's not going to increase my confidence too much either. Still more that needs to be done elsewhere. Alrighty, let's get into your thoughts. We'll finish off the episode with your thoughts and feelings and replies on this. Who's going to lead us off? Let's see. Let's start off with at RJB5150 saying, It's always a positive when you add additional baseball minds. But I think Yankees Twitter in general dislikes Cashman and really doesn't pay attention to what he's been able to do. This team has never had a chance to rebuild like every other team has. Not saying he's great. Yeah, Cashman has done good things. Nobody's arguing that. He's made good trades and good signings. But you'd also be lying to yourself if you said that he hasn't also made completely abysmal and irresponsible decisions when it comes to allocating money. I mean, look at the third baseman. That's one of them. I mean, you could go on forever, but I don't feel like going down that rabbit hole right now. Otherwise, this episode's going to be two hours long. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, vaguely, you can't deny that there have been some very irresponsible decisions made. And I do agree with you saying that by adding additional baseball minds, especially like a mind of Brian Sabian, who has proven to be very successful at his craft, you know, it can't hurt, like I've said. I definitely agree with that. But I think you could both like and dislike things that Cashman has done and also admit that you think that the organization could use a new face, a fresh start in the position. I don't think that's outrageous to say. Both can be true. (laughs) You can admit the faults and positives of the person at hand. You don't have to be someone who's who's uh, filled with toxic positivity or just toxic negativity. You know, that's possible. You can acknowledge both. So, yeah, I mean, I I definitely understand. I can't complain about it either. It's I see it as a positive, the hires, but uh, we'll see how much of an effect it truly has on the team. At Yankee Ken says, The new front office additions won't mean anything for this season. Having all these former GMs should help with future decisions. Well, you don't know that because, like I said, there are still areas to tackle for this offseason. If the Yankees truly have intentions elsewhere with the holes that need filling, like the left side of the infield, mainly third base, and left field, mainly, 
then these guys could maybe help advise in that arena. You never know. And in that case, it could have an effect on 2023. But yeah, I mean, with most of the offseason having come and gone already, I think it's safe to say as by next week we'll already be in mid-January. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it has more to do with the future or possibly even come the middle of the season with, say, the trade deadline and whatnot. We'll see. But... I definitely think it could help with the remainder of this offseason and possibly even at the trade deadline before future seasons are even talked about, 2024 and beyond. But we'll see. At 7 Trivia says, Not really, but time will tell. I understand. I get it. As long as the areas that still need filling are there, you know, I, I understand people not having their confidence increase much or not really at all, I guess. At Peace Now for Life saying, I think both Sabian and Manaya are good hires. I just think they will both still have to go through Cashman, so I don't know how much of an impact they'll be able to have other than voicing opinions and or concerns. Anything that helps is welcomed. Yeah, of course. Obviously. And that's what I said. You know, it'll help if their input is truly heard and or implemented and utilized. That's when it could be good. If, of course, the input itself is good as well. But, obviously, yeah, they're advisors. And whenever you're an advisor to a certain person or department within an organization, obviously the head of said department or organization is obviously going to have the final say in the matter. So that much is true. So that's why if the advice or wisdom isn't even taken into account whether it be good or bad, then yeah, nothing's really going to change. <laughs> so you're definitely right about that, 100%. Up next, we've got at NYYSportsFan96 saying they need to have input. If they don't, then it's just meh. Well, yeah, I, I guess that's the same as the previous reply. Yep, I can agree with that. At BaseballTZar saying, I love both of those guys. They're both winners. Well, especially Sabian. You know, Manaya. A lot of people would have a lot to say about him, especially Met fans, probably, when it comes to certain general manager decision-making in the past, but especially Sabian, who has factually won three titles in his time as Giants GM, and definitely has a successful history when it comes to scouting. Yeah, that's... I would say that that's more proof of a winner, so I can agree with that. Up next is my friend Spencer at Musician DMD. Spencer says, Signing Sabian and Manaya are positive moves. Sabian, for the obvious reason of engineering three title-winning teams with the Giants, Manaya for his Latin America connections. I've always wondered how special advisor roles work. Seems like an inactive job. All in all, I think it helps. Fair enough, and yeah, you're right with special advisor. Like the other replies said, and like I even said, the advice actually needs to be heard and used to have any effect whatsoever. Otherwise, they're just kind of collecting dust, to be honest. But, yeah, I, I can understand that feeling on it. But there's certainly no denying their individual track records, that's for sure, like you've said. Sabian being a champion multiple times in a general manager role in a position where now he will be the advisor or an advisor to the general manager on the Yankees. And Manaya, like I said, especially known for his international connections, for sure. I mentioned that before. That has been definitely hit on for years now when it comes to him. 
So yeah, if the advice is actually given, heard, and even potentially put into effect, yeah, I would have to imagine it would help at least a little bit. At J23 Mattingly says, it gives me some confidence that Cashman and Hal know that they need help. <laughs> I know who the hell knows. <laughs> I just, they would never openly admit that, obviously. I'm sure you know that. That's a funny thought, though. <laughs> At Medic968 says, I think both are excellent hires. Sabian has a long history of success and knows this organization already. Manaya is a great talent evaluator at developing young talent. Both will make an immediate impact. Well, that's my thought on it, dude, and I hope so. If the advice is taken into consideration and even put into effect, I have the same hopeful expectations on it, but... We obviously don't know what's going to happen for sure. We are not on the inside. So we'll have to see. But yeah, you can't deny Sabian's history as a winner and knowledge of this organization already, even though, as I said, I'm sure things are at least slightly different from 30 years ago. 30 plus years ago at this point, to be honest. But he already knows the deal here. And some names that were in the organization even then are still around now at some capacity. So, we'll see. At Yankees, Lauren says, I think they're good moves. Analytics aren't everything. Don't burn me at the stake for saying that. Hopefully, they'll stop prospect hugging so much and help make some moves. <laughs> no one's going to burn you for that. Well, I'm sure some people would burn you. But I'm not going to. I believe in both. I believe in the old school mentality of going with your gut and your eyes and just going with whatever decision you feel is best in the moment, possibly. But I also do feel that you need to be prepared and well-equipped with as much data as you could probably get. Didn't I actually say data before? I don't know. I, I just say data, data. Who the hell cares? But I do believe it's the most responsible thing to do to also be prepared as best as possible with numbers and data, which both are part of the game, whether you like it or not. It's a matter of properly implementing them and properly using them so that's what it's about and I feel that for years now the Yankees have not properly done that like other organizations have and people who want to crap on analytics you know a lot of the World Series champion organizations of the past few years a lot of them have been and possibly even still are heavily analytical it's just a part of either things going their way or properly implementing said analytics or maybe a little bit of both. There are a lot of factors when it comes to baseball success, as we know. But it would seem that they implemented a lot better than the Yankees have. So, and when it comes to prospect hugging, yeah, sometimes they have, sometimes they haven't. Because if you think about it, there have been a lot of moves of late that Cashman has made where they did give away a decent amount of prospects. At the trade deadline, that was done in a couple of instances. Frankie Montas, Andrew Benintendi. But, I mean, as far as their top three or so, like Volpe, Dominguez, Peraza, yeah, those guys are still here. So if that's what you mean by prospect hugging, then if you want to call it prospect hugging, then fine. Uh, I definitely, as I said, would be willing to part ways with one, maybe two of them, depending on who it's for, of course. You know, you have to present the scenario to me before I say that for sure. But, I mean, that's that's up to interpretation, I guess. He has definitely given away some prospects, and they have, some of them have been in the top 10, but some of them have also been lower than that. So it depends. It depends. But in some cases, yeah, I would say that he has hung on to certain people 
that definitely didn't pan out in certain situations where the Yankees could have possibly gotten some really good proven players for them in the past. You got to know who I'm talking about in some instances. Anyways, let's continue. At DB Yankees 1 says, only if they have serious input, and that remains to be seen. Yeah, amen to that. Tina at Mountain Gal 456 saying, as far as the front office, eh, could be good, but could be not so good. Yeah, that's the moral of it, I guess. I mean, we haven't really seen it fully implemented yet. Nothing has really happened. We don't truly know how much input is being heard and used, if any, because we're not in the inside, you know, so it's tough to tell. But you would hope that with the addition of a couple of good baseball minds who have proven to be successful in the past, that, w- that it would only help, but you don't truly know. You just don't. And you don't know how much of their advice, if any, is even being used. So, that's pretty accurate. At Sean9966, 0764 says, Yes, I'm happy with the new hires. Well, fair enough. I, I can't really complain either. At David Rifkin says, Absolutely. They're longtime execs who specialize in player development as opposed to Fishman's nerds, providing some balance. Additionally, they still have relationships beyond Cashman, potentially opening up newer trade partners. Yeah, those are good situations to mention, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mentioned especially Sabian. A lot of background in scouting and player development, having a very high position at that in the Yankees organization 30-plus years ago. And like I said, that old school mentality, it could work to balance out the analytics department, maybe bring more than just one perspective to the table. It could. Who knows? I mentioned that possibility. You and I are in the same wavelength there, David. And the one thing that I didn't even mention is, yeah, they could have potential relationships, connections, trade partners that could open up channels elsewhere that could end up helping down the road. It could be. Never know. Good points. Alrighty, let's see who is next. We've got at Vinman23 saying they are excellent hires. However, we know Cashman. I need to see the influence Sabian and Manaya will have on decisions, but a move in the right direction. Plenty fair, dude. Plenty fair. At Jim160308829 saying, Do any of the front office additions play third or left field and bat left for average? If not, then no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, listen, that's what I said. You know, the team still has to perform. They need to put the proper team on the field. And until then, you know, you're still not going to get the results probably that you're looking for. So that's that's fair. I, I can't really say nothing. I think it could help, but the right team needs to be put out there also. And the players need to perform. So that's that. That's another perspective. And one that I can't really argue with that much, to be honest. All right, let's head on home with my... Usual final two. First up is my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she says, Based on their reputation, these additions certainly can't hurt, but their input also has to be put into effect in the first place in order to actually make a difference, and the holes that need plugging on the team still need to be plugged. Otherwise, this will not do too much for my confidence. That's more or less what I think, so I definitely agree there, Victoria. Plenty fair. All right, last but certainly not least is my amazing mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, Happy New Year, Mike, and happy belated birthday, of course. Thank you, Mom. You, of course, helped to make my birthday special like you do every year, so thank you. 
While I personally think they should have just fired Cashman along with dumping Donaldson and Hicks, but I do feel better that these two advisors to Cashman are better than leaving him to make the continued colossal decisions that he's been making. Of course, we still need to address left field and the third base issues. Hoping Peraza will be our shortstop if there are no other options. Either way, I look at the two advisors as crutches for the man who can make a decent decision with them. Better than allowing him to be the sole deciding person without any advice. We can only hope these guys are way better at planning out a strategically well-oiled team. Yeah, I do know that you were on the fire Cashman train, Mom. And honestly, I was too. Kind of still am. I mean, we'll see what happens going forward. Um, but I definitely... See what you mean. Obviously, the Hicks and Donaldson stuff, yes, it is age-old at this point. We all would like it, even if they are not going to do it, or it's tough to get accomplished, or whatnot. I mean, it could have just not really even happened in the first place, especially in the Donaldson case, but it happened. There's nothing we can do other than just try to figure out potential solutions going forward now, right? So we wish for that to happen. Who knows if either, or maybe just one of them will ever even happen, as far as dumping the dead weight that is them. But as far as Sabian and Manaya, yeah, listen, if they could be crutches to Cashman or if they can just be there to offer another perspective, give more thoughts, enlighten him more on things that he otherwise would not have maybe thought about without their assistance, then it could work. But like I and so many others have said, and, and you seem to also be thinking as well, hopefully they're listened to because... Cashman, as the GM and senior vice president, you know, he still, at the end of the day, will have the final say-so, and he will make his decision. So that is the way it works. That's the chain of command. But who knows? They can maybe help out. We'll never truly know how much their input is being implemented or not implemented. I mean, I guess in certain ways that are that things are happening, you could maybe sort of feel their presence on certain moves happening, certain trades, signings, certain things being done perhaps within games, certain other methods the Yankees might use. And you say, ah, oh, that could have very well have had something to do with Sabian and or Minaya. Maybe you say that. Maybe you could spot that sort of a thing. So, unless it's that, though, we really won't know just how much the input is being heard and used. But uh, you can only hope that it does help to put together, as you said, a strategically well-oiled team. That's what you hope for, as much as possible. We want the Yankees to win. And if these additions can help Cashman out at all, then good. Hopefully they'll be listened to, and that the advice is good too, of course. That's important. But you imagine it is because, especially a guy like Sabian, as we've well established by now, he is factually a proven winner even in a GM role. So advisor to a general manager, well, it's almost like he's advising to a position that he's already had a vast amount of experience with. So, and he was the GM for a very long time, like Cashman has been the Yankee GM for a very long time. So they should definitely put their heads together and help to make some better decisions. So, but as for now, guys, that's basically it. We're fully caught up on what has happened these last few weeks since we last spoke on December 18th. It's been a while, but it is definitely good to be back. And we've definitely got some good episodes, some good content going forward. Obviously, with the 2023 season up ahead, with spring training for 2023 obviously being even closer. I'm not sure what I'm going to do as of next week as of yet. 
Um, I'm probably going to come at you with another episode because obviously I have the every other week thing implemented for the offseason, even though for most of this offseason, with the exception of the last two weeks taking off for Christmas and New Year's, um, I didn't really do that every other week thing because big things kept on happening and I kept on putting out consecutive Sunday episodes after the playoffs were done and then the judge contract happened and whatnot and Rodon was signed so I just kept on coming back week after week and then I got these last two weeks off so I'm not sure if I'll go back to the every other week thing until spring training officially begins or if because I just took two weeks off in a row I'll feel like giving you another episode another week in a row next week I'll probably make a decision about it midweek, but either way, you'll know when next Sunday night or Monday comes around and if there is or isn't another Yapping Yankees episode for you. So I guess I'll make that decision along the way. Since I took the last two weeks off, I guess I'll make up for it and give you two two weeks in a row. And then I might take off on maybe the 22nd. Or if there's something major that happens in this next week, then I'll definitely be back at you next week. As I also established at the beginning of the offseason, and like I actually have done with judges signing and Rodon signing, if anything major happens, and of course I'll, I'll record an episode that coming Sunday so we can talk all about it. But if nothing major happens, then I'll, I'll make a decision probably midweek about it. I'm going to have a crazy work week this week. So, I mean, every work week for me is crazy. I'm always grinding, but... Anyways, I'll make a decision about that. I will likely be coming at you next Sunday with another episode, but we will see. Otherwise, as for now, guys, that is all for episode 168 of Yapping Yankees today. If you don't already, be sure to follow me on all socials. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and my Instagram is MikeScuds97. Please be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four like you always do such a great job at doing. And also, if you've missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, obviously there's a new release every Sunday night, then you could listen to episodes 34 up to 168 today, all on YouTube. And every single episode, going back to episode one, almost four years ago, all the way up to today's episode, all of those can be found on any of the other three platforms, being Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, though, guys, thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. I have been your host, Mike Scudero, as always, and I will talk to you possibly next Sunday. January 15th. If not, then I'll definitely talk to you on the 22nd when I come at you with episode 169 of Yapping Yankees. We're getting ever so closer to 200, guys. The bicentennial edition of Yapping Yankees. (laughs) But until then, you know the deal. Hang in there. Be patient. Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. While you're at it, go ahead and kick life's ass this week. And like I did say, guys, it really is good to be back after the last three weeks. Usually always take off for Christmas and New Year's, as I said, but they just so happen to be perfectly aligned on Sundays this time around to round off 2022. And now we're back in business. So let's keep our eyes peeled like every week of the offseason for more moves because more could still happen. Who knows? We shall see. I'll possibly talk to you next weekend, guys. If not then, then definitely the weekend after that for the 22nd. Take care.